0: losing track of what's going on man I, I mean i watched it online you'd think i would have remembered to order a service it's, it's a tough tough crowd today um so i, I wanted to share with you uh, really briefly um what the lord kind of laid on my heart to uh to share november the first halloween was october 31st well halloween wasn't always halloween um, believe it or not, I was going to dress up for church on Sunday morning as a Martin Luther, a monk, because Martin Luther, believe it or not, is, is credited with the culmination or the pinnacle of the Protestant Reformation, probably the biggest revival that ever occurred on the face of the planet. He nailed 95 theses to the door of Wittenberg Castle on All, on All Hallows Eve, which is Halloween. And it's All Hallows' Eve because November the 1st is All Saints' Day, which isn't celebrated in America because we don't have that um, specific doctrinal persuasion vastly approved in America, if that makes sense. But anyway, I want to talk to, to, to us about today a little bit, just briefly, before we introduce our missionary, about revival. Martin Luther, in his studies, he, he was going to be a lawyer, believe it or not, His dad wanted him to be an attorney. He's he's German, um, if you guys didn't know. And uh, instead of being an attorney, he struggled with faith, struggled with many things. So he ran away to a monastery because in those days it was believed that if you didn't work, you didn't have salvation in Christ. There's a unique connection between the desire to serve the Lord and the desire to to understand grace. There's a fine line between grace and works. We have grace because there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation, but because of God's grace in our lives, we should desire to serve the Lord, which means we have to work. What a novel concept that is. Interestingly enough, one of the key verses Martin Luther got to in his studies in the book of Romans, which is what led him to come up with his 95 theses and nail them to the door of Wittenberg Castle, is Romans chapter 1, verse 7. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. Martin Luther was in a monastery at the time where Pope Pius and the other popes who were before and after them believed, or had the people believe, that if they bought indulgences, they could buy their way to heaven. How blasphemous can we be? If you give so much money to the church, you can go to heaven. That was the message that was taught. Hopefully we all know that that, that's not true. Hopefully we understand that there's nothing you can do to earn salvation in Jesus Christ except for accepting the free gift of grace that Christ offers. The very fact that the church 500 years ago, 600 years ago, was so corrupt that they let people believe and they taught that if you buy indulgences, you could buy your way into heaven. Are we that much more removed from that line of thinking today in the 21st century? Sadly, we are not. Instead of of buying indulgences to get to heaven, people think that their church attendance gets them to heaven. Instead of church attendance, people think that if they... If they give large substantial amounts of money they can get their way to heaven people think that if they dress a certain way or if they show up every time the church doors are open that they're gonna get that they're gonna get to heaven people think and it's sometimes taught that uh, you have to do things a certain way to get to heaven mainly one of the things sadly enough is that we we take grace and we push it aside And instead, we have this thing called tradition. And we believe that our traditions are going to get us to heaven. We believe that our faith traditions and our doctrines are what's going to get us to heaven. And sadly, the only thing that's going to get us to heaven in the academic world is a word called dogma. And the very dogma that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven because that's what the Bible teaches. John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but through me. We, as a nation, are on the cusp of many dangerous things politically, religiously, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, because we don't have love for each other anymore. Sadly, We have contempt for each other more than we ever have love for each other. I don't care if you're 90 or if you're 2. Society has taught us how not to get along. We are on the verge of potentially the greatest revival the world has ever seen. We're on the cusp. It's right within the reach of our fingertips. We have the Internet. We can broadcast this, and somebody in India can watch us have church. We just had a guy come to know Jesus Christ that we don't even know who he is. We do now, but we didn't know who he was. We didn't know how he found out about our church. But he's in Lynchburg, Virginia, and he watched our church service and gave his life to Christ during a church service while he was in a hospital room. Now, we, we are on the cusp of the greatest revival this world has ever seen. And it's right there for us to do what God wants us to do, to grasp and hold on, to get rid of all of our traditions and serve the Lord Jesus Christ with the great fervor and the tenacity that Martin Luther had. The example that he gave to us in the Protestant Reformation, being bold enough to go to the Catholic Church and nail 95 things that he said, you are wrong, knowing that he could have lost his life. They forced him to recant and he would not. He had Three or four different face-to-face meetings where he had to get there in secrecy and leave in secrecy to save his life because the church wanted to silence him. And I tell you that there are people here today that would silence me and silence every other gospel preacher out there because it doesn't go and coincide with their tradition. The sad truth is that we become an apathetic nation. The world has become apathetic to church. You know why? Because we've ruined it. Human beings have ruined the church. We've commercialized Christianity. We've commercialized the gospel. We've commercialized it with you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. this." There are several things that we should do, but there's only one thing that we have to do, and that's be a humble servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that humble servitude requires us to make sacrifices. It requires us to sacrifice our lives and our desires and our wants to serve him. It never says that you can't go to work on a Sunday because some people got to make a living, right? I've worked on Sundays many a time in my life to provide for my family. You know the reason why the churches started having service on Sunday evening? The original Sunday evening service, from my understanding and studies, started because people had to work on Sunday mornings in the factories. The only time they could come to worship for service is on Sunday evenings. You know the earliest chaplains in the United States Navy? They hired the pastors in the Continental Navy. In the original Navy of the United States of America, they hired pastors to come on board. Do you know what their job was? To hold three services a day on that Sunday. So that every bit of the crew could have worship service. Instead, what we've done is we've, we've taken the church and we've made it into you have to conform to what we want you to do or you aren't accepted. We've alienated and marginalized more people across the world in the name of Jesus Christ, and it's shameful. We're no better than the people who led the Crusades and ransacked the Palestine, the nation of Israel, in the, it, it, in the medieval times. We're no better than, than the Catholic Church was 500 years ago when, they, when when they monopolized and took all the power that they had as the church and overtook the state. You know what revival's for? Revival's not for the non-believer. Revival's for the believer. More often than not, people would come to revivals. They invite their friends to come, and they don't show up themselves. Hey, my pastor's preaching tonight for a revival. You should come. Where are you at? I got other things to do. What a great message you're sending. What a great message we're sending. How about people who invite people to church, but they never show it themselves? We have an opportunity that lies before us to be the salt of the earth. And unfortunately, when Jesus says in the parable of the salt, he says when a salt has lost its flavor, he might as well throw it away. I'm not, I, that's, there's more to this I could preach on Probably I could talk all day long and be like Paul talking to the night and someone would fall out of the window and fall asleep like Eutychus did in act. And unfortunately, I've never resurrected anybody from the dead, so I don't know that I could do that. All I want us to do is think about where is our priority? Where, where are our priorities? That's hard to say at one time. Where are our priorities? Are our priorities in serving God first and foremost... Or are there priorities we have in our lives? Serving ourselves, serving our self interests. If we really want to see the world change, it's not my job to do it by myself. It's not Pastor Michael's job to do it by himself. It's not Chuck Brzezinski's job to do it by himself. It's all of our jobs. All of us are given a commission by the Lord Jesus Christ. Called the Great Commission. He doesn't say, last time I checked, it doesn't say pastors only. It doesn't say evangelists only. It says, go, therefore, unto all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, training them, these are my words, making disciples of all nations. How do we do that? The church is a schoolhouse to make, to train and equip the saints to become disciples for Jesus Christ. And it takes everybody in here to do it. And all you people at home watching in Facebook land. We're gonna the Sullivan's are gonna come stand up and, and, and come share some things um, and introduce ourselves. This is Brent Sullivan and his family. They are members of Inglewood Baptist Church. I'm gonna kill some of your friends. He's got a mic, that's why I have to hold this. But he um they're they're members of Inglewood Baptist Church, and they've accepted a call to the mission to be international missionary. And And I can't think, and this is why I wanted this to happen today. I wanted it to happen November the 1st, but God and his divine sovereignty ordained it to happen today. Because next week is Thanksgiving. What better thing to be thankful for than people who are willing to go and serve the Lord, leave everything they know and go somewhere else. More importantly, the Sunday after that is, the first Sunday of Advent, and it's the first Sunday that we're going to kick off our Lottie Moon Christmas offering campaign in the cooperative program, and Lottie Moon, every dollar that's raised at Lottie Moon goes to support missionary families like this. I mean, God is good all the time. You don't, I mean, we, we tell him our plans, and he laughs at us and says, no, Justin, you're going to be sick for two weeks. I didn't get to come dressed up as Martin Luther to give a good, a good scripture passage. But I want us to think, and give our undivided attention to the Sullivan family as they have been so gracious to come and share with us.
1: Well, my family didn't know they were going to say a little something until we got here this morning. Um, but <clears throat> oh, you can okay. just pass. But uh, okay. anyway, first, first oh, be- before they start, I just want to say it's it's great to be with y'all this morning. Um, I was so encouraged, this wasn't part of what I was going to say, but these boxes are going to make me talk about it for just a minute. I was so encouraged this morning to see these boxes. I took my first trip ever to South Asia in 2013, April, and I was in a village in a very remote area of South Asia, and guess what was in one of those villages? One of these boxes. I'll never forget it, because I had for years packed boxes and helped put them in a truck, and you wonder, where did they go? And then God sent me abroad, and here lies a box. And it still had many of the contents, and they cherished it. As I talked to the family, they cherished it. What they receive in that box is more than you ever know in most areas. So I am so encouraged and blessed this morning by seeing the amount of work that's gone in to the many people here at Darlington that packed these boxes. It can take, You can take a few people and do great things. It all comes from the heart. But I'm going to let my family introduce herself. They might, I don't know what they're going to say, so I'm not responsible for what they say. But uh we'll start with Mackenzie, and then we'll okay, work it down. so my name is Mackenzie. I'm 16. I'm a Um I found
2: out in 2018 we were living, Um I was not happening at all. We can have my father. We'll probably explain that a little bit. But I'm um, yeah, a junior. I'm a I'm Holly. Um, my first trip was 2016 to South Africa. Um And then in 2018, I went to South Asia for the first time. With, with me, there was ten of us, and it just changed my life. I you know, I it. Anyway, um, to see the people there—the darkness of Satan—all across that region, the people who are worshiping clay pots, clay idols, clay—I mean—and they think that that is their God. And just to see the the dark of Satan all around that area. And then to go in and tell somebody about Jesus, and they cry because somebody loves me. That's the way they feel. They feel like nobody cares. Nobody loves them. And you tell them that Jesus created them and he loves them. And they just, some accept, some don't because of family issues. Um, A lot of them will be kicked out of their village. They will be beaten, they may even be killed, because they accept Jesus. And to think back in the States, we have the freedom to accept without, I mean, we might get, somebody might say something smart or something, but nobody's going to kill you over it. And these people will accept Jesus and stand up to their village leaders and stand up to their family members and take the beatings and take the, you got to get out and go find somewhere else to live they will take that all because they know that Jesus died for them and that he loves them. Um, hi, I'm Tyson. I don't know if I can say anything like that, but... Um, yeah, I'm Tyson. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good. Thank you all. I'm going to let him sit down so Tyson won't have to think of something he could preach on this morning. Um, I will add a little bit of what Mackenzie just said. I wasn't planning to say this, but that's fine. We'll let the Spirit lead, as always. But as she said, um, when God gave us a call to go, after many thoughts that go through your mind, I had to sit um, Mackenzie and Tyson down one evening and say, hey, we've given God a blank check to go, and hey, we're going to move to another continent. So we start counting the cost. When you read in Scripture, when it's talking about Romans, the cost, what it costs to follow Christ. Um, Mackenzie didn't speak to me for about maybe 10 10 to 14 days other than good morning, good night. No conversation. I knew she was upset. You know, she's going to leave everything she knows. But through prayer and the Holy Spirit dealing with her, she came to me that third week and said, Hey, Dad, I'm sorry. God's called you to go, and whatever i got to do, I'm all in. And Tyson didn't have quite the response, not quite as upset as Mackenzie, but same. So what I prayed each and every day is, God, will you prepare the hearts of Mackenzie and Tyson as they will go behind us as we are obedient to go. And God has really done a a work in them. And and let me mention this before I forget. I do have another child who is 22. She's a nurse. We will be leaving her behind. So it's a process when you start to count the cost of being obedient. Um, So I'll I'll touch base on that again in a minute. I'm going to start with something this morning. First of all, what you give to Lottie Moon and the cooperative program, without that, we can't go. Yes, we could go on our own. We would not be very effective. And everything that you give, 100% of what you give to Lottie and a large majority of what you give to cooperative goes to missionaries. That money is used for missionaries. And not only sharing the gospel and doing the work, fixing the kid's tooth, providing material for school, providing medicine, providing uh, health insurance. It's just many, many things. Providing vehicles. Providing housing. It's not just the gospel moving forward. It's everyday things that you and I have to have to live. So when you give to Lottie or co program, you're not giving to Lottie and IMB and to missionaries. You're giving it to the Lord. It's offering you're giving to Him. And then He disperses that and He does what He wants to do with it. So thank you. Thank you from, from I, I know if we had about, I think there's almost 5,000 personnel now, and if they could all stand up here this morning, they'd tell you the same thing. Thank you. So it's a great opportunity to be here this morning with the ones that God brought here, to hear just a short, just a short message from what God's put on my heart this morning. He wanted you to be here today to hear it. And the ones that are in Facebook land, as Pastor Justin said, hopefully you'll take to heart what I'm going to say as well. But without you guys, we can't do what we do, and our Father is worthy of it. I was thinking what Justin said, man. Our, our country's in an uproar, especially here in the United States. We are so. I don't want to say. I will just say we're spoiled, and we we've become rotten, and and the church that includes the church. Because we have been so saturated with what we want, what we need, what we get, and we've taken it for granted. Many other countries, it's not that way. They can't do the things we do without persecution or being kicked out of their family, as Holly said. I want you to think about this morning, and forgive me for my eyes are getting older. Anybody have that problem? So I'm going to read from my phone this morning with my notes, but I want you to think about something this morning. Right now, whoever's listening out there in Facebook land or in this room, you and I are part of 17,442 people groups. I don't have time to get into a bunch of statistics and I don't want to bore you with a bunch of acronyms that you may not know, but you and I are part of a people group. When God created us, we're part of a people group here in the United States. And that's one of 17,442. And you and I didn't pick who our parents would be. We didn't pick where we'd be born. God determined that when He created us. So I want you to think about that. The reason I give you that statistic is 43% or almost 43% of that number are unreached. They've never heard about Jesus. No one's ever told them about Jesus. No one's ever shared the Gospel. So if you think about that population of people, which is approaching 8 billion, our world population is approaching 8 billion people. And I know that sounds like, man, I don't want to have to do math this morning. Of that, 3.3 billion have never heard. And it's my responsibility, your responsibility, Justin's responsibility everyone who's a follower of Christ's responsibility. And it doesn't mean that you might travel 8 or 10,000 miles to go do it. You have people right here in your community. But if God tells you to go, then you should be obedient to go. You have friends, family, loved ones, children. They're part of what we call a oikos. They're part of your, your group of people. You can start and reach them. And then you can spread into your community. Halifax, Rocky Mount, Wilson, wherever you may live, you can spread that to your to your community, Justin. I was glad to hear you talk about the Great Commission briefly. I didn't know what Justin was going to say, and man, I, I love to hear him talk about the 95 theses. That just gets me pepped up. But Matthew 28:19 to 20, go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to to observe all I commanded you. And then what does he say? Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of age. It's our responsibility. To make disciples. And we can't do that by just inviting someone to church or watching just on Facebook. We got to get involved. We got to tell our neighbor. We got to tell our family. We got to tell our children. And we have to set an example. We can't make a disciple if we're not having any interaction, if we're not loving, if we're not teaching, if we're not challenging, if we're not coming along each other when we're hurting or going through something and pray for each other and love on each other. We can't make disciples unless we live it out unless we live it out so <clears throat> no doubt COVID has affected the entire globe who thought in March of 2020 that pretty much every continent that exists would be shut down I had no clue I'm sure you would probably agree no clue This affected the entire world but it did not catch our Lord by surprise he knew COVID was coming and it's affected over a million people. I don't have the exact number of this, but over a million people have died and have slipped into eternity due to COVID alone. Way more than that if we calculate all the other diseases. But I want you to think about the reason I mentioned that. I want you to think about there are two kind of peoples that you and I are going to come into contact with each and every day. Someone who's lost and someone who's saved. Two places they can end up. They can either end up in heaven, they can end up in hell. If they are separated... From God for all eternity. That means that they will be tormented forever. So think about that when you're engaging people. They're either lost or they're saved. They're dead or alive, per se. Sometimes I think we get busy and we just pass through people and we don't we don't think about that. And I'll share a little bit of testimony how God called us to go. It's, it's kind of long, so I have to abbreviate a little bit. But uh, I was kind of like what Justin was talking about earlier. I'd followed the Lord for many many years. And I was about 90% in. So I was serving, kind of like your technical crew back there. Every Sunday, I was serving in technical ministry at our church. Holly took care of the kids, sitting in service by herself. Most people, unless you knew us, didn't even know we were married. Thought she was a single mom with, with some kids, you know, and where's dad? But it was a group of about 12 guys that work every Sunday behind the scenes. But I was, I was 90% in serving the Lord. I was serving in technical ministry. I served as a deacon. I was changing diapers. I was busy doing everything I could possibly do to serve the little works, like Justin was talking about, work, work, work. And the Holy Spirit started speaking to me in 2012 about the lost and going. And I started thinking, okay, God, I don't get this going stuff. I understand what it means to be a missionary. Somebody else needs to do that. Week after week, the Holy Spirit, He would chase me. He would say, hey, I want you to go. I'm like, I don't know what that means. So technical ministry one Sunday, play a video about going to reach South Asia and the Holy Spirit tells me, He says, "Brett, I want you to go. And I said, absolutely not. And I knew immediately I was being disobedient. And the Holy Spirit just started to work on me. I almost couldn't think straight because I knew I'd been disobedient. I couldn't sleep for three nights. So, just like it tells us in 1 John, I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. You told me to go. Forgive me, teach me what this means to go. So very next week, very next Sunday, that was probably, I think that was Monday, too, you know, Wednesday, very next Sunday, my technical director comes to me and says, hey, I'm going to be taking a trip to South Asia. I want you to go. I said, okay, I'm all in. He said, you mean you don't have to pray about it? I said, no, I'm all in. Whatever we got to do, let's do it. So anyway, fast forward a little bit. I start preparing to go on that trip. takes about five or six months usually to prepare to go on a short-term trip. So we start preparing, doing all the things. And we arrive in April 2013. And as I shared earlier about this box that I saw in the village, it changed me forever that day. But anyway, 2013, second or third day, God's just speaking to me through the people, through their eyes, how they respond when they hear you speak. People you've never met in your life. He just started giving me a love. I said, Lord, just give me a love for these people. Whatever it means, I want to serve you. So I got down on my knees that night and I started praying. I said, "Lord, you might, you could use me anywhere in the world, but you have to give that same desire to my wife, because we're, we're a union, right? Two or one, just like you as the church this morning. You're the bride of Christ. It's you and Christ. We're one. This building's not the church. These pews are. There's nothing important about this building. You are the church. You and I. And I think that's why a lot of our nation today is the way it is because they think the church is a building or a pastor or a program or whatever. You and I are the church, and it's our responsibility to be the church and set that example. But anyway, so I got down on my knees that night and prayed and said, Lord, teach me what this means. So he started giving me a love for the people. It was a great trip. Saw people come to faith. Even saw some people get baptized that week in a pretty clean creek in the middle of a village. Just change, just Things that just change your life when you see things happen. God allowed me to see those things. So anyway, I get back, I'm real pepped up and you know, sharing with Holly, and she's, she's encouraged and never talked about going to South Asia and start sharing. And she noticed that I'm probably starting to try to learn some language that I've never spoke before. God's just giving me that in my spirit, hey, you learned this, I might can use it. And she's probably thinking, this guy has gone off the deep end. But anyway, I continue to go, continue to prepare. But what I started doing each and every day, I started praying, Lord, you have to give this desire to my wife. If You're going to use me somewhere. It may not be in South Asia, it might be on another continent. Could be Zimbabwe. I don't know. We just—I just want to serve you. And if you want to use me that way, you got to give it to her. So I continued to go and continued to pray. And as Holly told you, she went to South Africa in 2016. God had called her for the first time to go internationally, and He really did a work in her life and changed her. And I continued to pray and continued to go and continued to pray and continued to go. And I'm thinking, Lord, you sent her to South Africa. I, you know, I feel like you're calling us to go here. And as God could continue to move, He was just building us up as He was preparing our hearts. We were just so wanting to serve Him somewhere in the world, but He was not saying it's time to go yet. And I'm still waiting. Lord, please tell my wife. So I had to take a step back and say, you know what, God, it's all your time and I'm going to pray. I'm going to quit begging and pleading every day. You know my heart's desire. So I continued to pray. And that's how I talked about in 2018. She comes to me and she says, hey, God's calling me to go to South Asia. And I'm thinking, man, I just wanted to jump. You know, it's like, whoa, God's doing something with this. I've been praying for five years. So He takes us on a trip in uh, late 2018. I lead that trip, and it's just a miraculous trip. This God continues to work, and He continue He really does a work in Holly that I had no idea until we got back. And I still haven't told her what I've been praying because if you know, if you're a husband or wife in here this morning, you have a soulmate. A lot of times, if you ask them to do something, unless it contradicts your beliefs, they'll do it, right? You may go eat steak if you don't like it just to go be with them, right? Instead of eating a hamburger if that's what you want. You might do something just to appease them. Well, it couldn't be that way in full time ministry and saying yes. So when we get back home, our pastor's preaching through a series about connecting. How are you connecting to the mission? And he's talking about all aspects of our walk. Are you saved? Are you baptized? Are you in discipleship? all the different areas nine points have you are you going and then he said are you multiplying Well I'd already done those eight points and that Sunday I was sitting in technical service up in our nest what we call a nest and looking down and Holly's down there and long story short he he told both of us it's time for you to go. Now on the Sunday we're really busy and I don't normally have conversation with Holly till afternoon after we've gone out to eat or whatever. And I got home, I said, what did you get out of the message today? She says, hey, God's told me it's time for us to go. And I said, well, go where? She said, it's time for us to go to South Asia. So God, we're in two different places that day. He mends our hearts together and tells us, hey, it's time to go. So we talk about it that afternoon and we're like, hey, there's no doubt this is what God's telling us to do. So we start the process. The first process, like I said, sitting these two down, to tell them, and hey, this is what it means to follow Christ. Be obedient. I think of... Uh, times in the Scripture where Adam and Eve, the fall of man comes from what? Disobedience. The people that didn't listen to Noah when he was building the ark were disobedient. What happened? They died. What happened to Jonah when he, he disobeyed? A whale swallowed him up. And then he still had a bad attitude. But disobedience in the garden is what led to man's fall. Now, I often think, I mean, that was God's plan, of course, but how often in our walk are we disobedient? God says, hey, I want you to serve. I want you to pack a shoebox. I want you to serve in the ministry here. I want you to play a piano, or organ, be a usher, be a greeter, whatever. How often are we so quick to say no? That's my little percentage, Lord. Don't make me do that. So we answered a call November fourth, two 2018 to go, and we're still here in the U.S., because of this thing called COVID. But what I'm here to tell you this morning is we have not yet once not had God's provision. Yes, we've had no when it was going to be yes or 36 hours from us leaving, the borders were shut and they said, nope, we're not. They were getting ready to purchase our tickets. No, nope, we can't go. We have a home that we've been paying for for many months that we've not even seen. Yet God still provided that. And He continues to provide each and every need we have. But what He continues to do is He continues to challenge our hearts each and every day with the Gospel. The Gospel continues to change me every day. And I can see Him working in Holly and McKenzie and and Tyson each and every day. And so here's something I want you to think about this morning. Holy Spirit just leading me to, to ask a couple of questions of you this morning. Um... What, what are we, what are we doing with the gospel? As Justin said earlier, we, we often think it's Justin's responsibility to reach this community. It's Justin's responsibility to do this but it's like I said earlier it's our responsibility. Has the gospel changed you? If it has, what are you doing with it? These are questions I have to ask myself every day because some days I'm sure Justin some days when Justin gets up he don't want to be a pastor that day. he's dealing with stuff. I, I got to go do this. Some days I don't want to be a missionary because i got things that day going on. You know what I mean? Some days, whatever your vocation is, you don't want to do it. And then guess what I have to do? Deny my flesh, get on my knees, and say, God, I'm sorry. My attitude's wrong. Romans 10, 9. I won't read all of it, but Romans 10, 9. If you confess your sins, it's faithful and just to give us you sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do we keep sin in our heart? When God's told us to do something and we say, oh, I'm not going to do that, do we just keep that and let it fester up? Or do we come to God with an open heart each and every day and say, Lord, forgive me? Because sometimes it's just a thought I might have when a guy cuts me off at the stoplight, right? Or maybe I'm the only one that has those thoughts, I don't know. Um, I'm the only one willing to admit it. So what I, what I want to ask you this morning is, whatever your comfort zone is, whether that's a 10 square mile radius of this church, whatever's comfortable to you, or are you willing to step outside of that box? If I draw a box around me right now, to these two pews and behind me, would you be willing to step across that box, whatever it may be, and get uncomfortable for His sake? You know, He He took a few nails and put Himself on a cross, and bled out for you and me, and He's changed the world. I couldn't do a whole lot with those nails, but He did. We have His Word, the Word of God, and it says that it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. If we're willing to engage people and open our mouth, it's not beating them over the head with your Bible. just having a conversation with John or Jill and say, hey, Let's go get a cup of coffee or you know they're going through something. Maybe they're fighting cancer, maybe they're fighting rebellious kid, a prodigal. All kinds of stuff is going on. So today just I would ask if will you step out of your comfort zone? It may not call you to go overseas, it may just call you to go down the road. That's what I had to do. Because I had my little ten percent that I didn't want God to have control over. And when I surrendered it to Him, boy, did He start opening my eyes. He started changing who He wanted me to be by being willing to make disciples. Um, Let me think here. As I wrap up, I know time is slipping away. I want you to think about something this morning. You can play a vital part in the work of IMB and other missionaries in three ways. You're already doing one of those because you're giving to Lottie and Cooperative. You're already giving. You can give, you can pray, and you can go. And I know in this COVID pandemic, going is kind of tough right now, as we've bear witness of. But let me add this, as the Holy Spirit just brings it to, to my thought. As you pray about what the Lord may have you do toward missions, I would ask that you pray, God, what do you want me to do about missions? And maybe you're already giving, maybe you're already going above and beyond what you've done for many years. Just ask Him, Lord, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to do? Right now in South Asia, this year, there are 50,000 baptisms in one area. They had 50,000 baptisms. And the only reason I share this, I'm going to share this story a colleague and brother of mine was on a trip to go start a church in an area in the south. And when he got there, about a 36-hour process by train and driving, the gentleman he was going to meet, he found out he was he was basically a fraud. He was not legit. He didn't want to follow. So when he got there, they thought, man, this is... Lord, what are we going to do? So God brought another brother to him. Long story short, it became 30 guys. They started this church. Because of that 30, group of 30 in this south part of South Asia, those 50,000 baptisms happened this year. When he thought God everything was a bust, God brought something new. It kind of reminds me of the story of Abraham and Isaac. When he was getting ready to put him up there, and what did he provide? Brought him a ram, right? God made a way. And how many times in our lives do we think there's a dead end or this can't happen and God brings us another provision? So this morning, as I wrap up, is Jesus enough? That would be another question I'd ask you. Is Jesus enough? I mean, if I asked you right now to raise your hand if you love Jesus, I know everybody in here would raise their hand. But is He enough to sustain who you are? Does He keep your drive going? Is He feeding you through His Word? I will tell you, if you dig into His Word, it will change your life. It has changed my life. I know Justin would say it has changed his life. The Word will change, but you've got to do your part. You've got to dig into it. Of course, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Justin already read it. I'll read it again. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves as a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship. Think about this. You and I are His workmanship. Created <coughs> Excuse me, created in Christ for His good work. That's my version, not the nasty. Do you believe that you were created for His work? Or do you have that struggle where, man, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing in this life. So this morning, would you be willing to give Him a blank check and say, yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I mean, like I said, it could just be changing diapers in a in a kid's class. Could be serving as a deacon. It just means you have to deny what yourself wants and say, yes, Lord, what do you want to do with it? So as as we prepare to go, share just briefly about our segment. Our segment where we're going to live, we're just going to have about sixteen million people living where we're going to live. Only about sixteen million. But our segment that we're going to serve the Lord in, it's a brand new segment. Nobody's been there. It's about 22 to 25 million people that have never heard. Would you be willing to pray and ask the Lord, would you pray for a people group, part of our segment, that you could adopt that group and just pray? And then years later, or weeks down the road, we don't know what God would do with it. We could come back and report, hey, God's done this through this people group through Darlington Baptist Church, through Southern Baptist Churches. It sounds like when you think about 22 to 25 million people, that sounds pretty astronomical, right? Those numbers still blow my mind. I've sit in those villages and been around those people where you walk and you can't even hardly breathe. But I've seen those people come to tears before you ever get into the Gospel when they know they were created by a God who loves them. And the Holy Spirit speaks to them just through creation when you start in Genesis. Because Romans 10 is clear. In Romans chapter 10, if you get time this afternoon this week, read Romans 10. It's our responsibility to go and tell and preach. And everybody knows that there's a God who created them. They just choose to reject it because of sin. So this morning as we go, thank you for allowing us to be here with you today at Darlington. See smiling faces, see these shoeboxes, see what God's doing through Brother Justin, and uh, we just thank you for the opportunity. But um, Justin, I'll let you you coming in. Maybe with an invitation. Um, thank you, on behalf of Southern Baptist Churches, on behalf of the IMB, we love you. We thank you for your support. As I said earlier, you are playing a vital role in what God's doing among the nations. Thankfully, today we had an opportunity to put a face face to face. Maybe you've never seen a missionary like just said. They're real. We are real. But we can only be real because of you laying your offerings at the feet of Jesus. Thank you
0: all. Uh, one thing I'd like us to remember, uh, I talked a little bit about things change. We have new normals, things are different. While he was talking, I I thought of something and I wanted to share it. And, you know, we're never good at getting out on time anyway. So Um, we need to do a good job or we need to do a better job of being comfortable with the uncomfortable. One of the the class I'm taking right now, I'm post-seminary, got my master's already. And uh, this clinical pastoral education class is teaching me to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. He talked about a box not box, but a box, and are we are we comfortable getting out of our comfort zone? And I would venture to guess that the majority of people would say no. And the reason why is because we get comfortable doing what we want to do, and if we don't want to do it, we don't want to do what's uncomfortable because it hurts. You know, in John chapter 15, I was reading that this morning as part of my devotion, and, and it talks about the um, Jesus is divine and we're the branches, and if we abide in him, we will bear much fruit, and if we don't abide in him, we won't. But it also talks about God being the vine dresser. And earlier in that chapter, chapter, I think it's in verse 2, it talks about God pruning the vine and the branches. And the pruning is uncomfortable because you got to cut off the dead stuff so new so new growth can come, right? That's what we're supposed to do. If you go to my house, my bushes ain't done like that. They just grow and all willy-nilly. But if I did it right, I'd be pruning them, shaping them, so they get bigger and better. And the fact of the matter is, is that these things come up like COVID, come up to teach us to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. People aren't comfortable with churches pews taped off. People aren't comfortable with the music being different. People aren't comfortable with the camera sitting in the middle of the church. People aren't comfortable not being able to see people face to face. People aren't comfortable talking to people on the telephone. People aren't comfortable sending text messages. I could keep going, but I think you get the point. The point of the matter is is it doesn't matter about anything about what we're comfortable with. It matters about what God's comfortable with, and God's given us, All this stuff to us To serve him And I can preach this And I can say this And and for three and a half years You guys have had to suffer through my Vision of wanting to bring the church Into the 21st century And I wonder why God brought me here Let's think about that Ever since I've been here I've wanted us to be online I've wanted us to have music a a contemporary mixture of traditional hymns, because I like a hymn better than I do a contemporary song, just saying. But I love me some contemporary music, too. I wanted us to be online. I wanted us to have this opportunity, and lo and behold, it takes an international pandemic for people to accept it, because it's uncomfortable. We have a great group of people here that have accepted it, and we have a few people that don't like to accept it, because they don't like change. God doesn't ask us if we like change, he just says, Do this. When he created the earth, he created it out of. When he created the world, the universe, he created it out of nothing, ex nihilio, which means out of nothing. If God can do that, then he can take anything that people see as negative and make it for good. Matter of fact, Paul tells us that in the book of Romans 8.28. 28. God causes all things to work for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And if we are called to salvation in Jesus Christ, and if we are called. To serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and we want to be a disciple of Christ, we have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. So, pairing along with what my good missionary friend here, Mr. Brent Sullivan, said, are we comfortable in the uncomfortable? And if the answer is no, we can can change that. We can fix it. I'm a fixer. I like fixing things. If it's broke, I want to fix it. But it ain't my job, it's God's. Let God fix it. Holy Spirit. He comes in and he changes and he rearranges and he does this cool little magical transformation. A metamorphosis. The word that Paul uses in the Greek in Romans 12. A metamorphosis. You go into this cocoon as an ugly caterpillar and you come out as a beautiful butterfly. Are we emerging as a beautiful butterfly or are we emerging as the the ugly caterpillar because we didn't let God change anything about us? Got to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Today, If uh, if you're not comfortable in the uncomfortable, or perhaps God's calling you to some kind of mission, opportunity, perhaps there's opportunities for our church coming forth in the future, opportunities for us to love this community and share in this community and teach this community. Let's not be afraid to take them. Because God gives us opportunities. Like in Revelation, he says he stands at the door and knocks. We have opportunities all around us to serve God. The only question we have to ask ourselves is, are we going to do it? And that first question we have to answer is, do we know Jesus as Lord and Savior? So today, if somebody here doesn't know Christ, somebody here might be struggling with their relationship, maybe they're estranged from Jesus, he can fix it. And I can help you. I can pray with you. I can stand here. I can give you a hug. I'm good at giving hugs or whatever the need may be, as we sing and reflect and meditate on our song here that we're going to sing in a few moments. Let's, uh, Let's think about that. Let's all stand together and sing. For all you peoples who have been reading Isaiah for our Sunday school and Bible study lessons, here I am, send me. That was Isaiah's call and commission. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. God says, Whom shall go for us? Whom shall we send? And Isaiah says, Here I am, send me. Boom, just like that. <laughs> Make me feel good. I love you guys. And I'm so thankful that I'm able to be be, be back here today. Thankful for you guys coming. Um, I'd like to have a special prayer as we close. If we can pray over this family, um, if we could join together. It won't be on microphone, but those of you at home, we're going to pray. Um, let's gather around if we can. Let's have you guys come up and stand in the center. We're going to gather around you. I believe in the laying on of hands. I believe in, in the Holy Spirit's uh, presence and power of prayer. And I, I would like for all of us to pray over this missionary family today as they get ready to embark on... The journey of a lifetime. All right, let's let's do that. Uh, Brittany, can you come up too, or you have to stay back there? okay we always come as we are all right let's, let's let's pray together father god we do thank you today for this opportunity to be in your house we thank you for your love your mercies and your grace that you've given us we thank you for the willingness of people listening to the call on their hearts and this is reminiscent of of king david this is reminiscent of even uh my story in a call to ministry it took me several years to get to where i was to be able to fulfill that call Uh, A call to ministry is a call to preparation, a a preparation to answer that call. And you've given this family several years, eight years since the beginning tug to get to the point where now they're ready to go and they've been stopped due to your sovereign will. And sometimes, Father, you give us the calling and, and you want us to prepare and you have us prepare and we're willing to go. And what we do is we answer that call, whatever it may be. So, Father, I pray today, we all pray together. That you lift up the Sullivan family today. You lift them up. You encourage them. You edify them and strengthen them. And as they as they are going to reach the times of exhaustion, mental, spiritual, mental, uh, emotional, and physical exhaustion, help them remember the words of Jesus Christ: that man must not live by the bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. We pray for them that um, we pray for them to have uh, humility, a spirit of humility, a spirit of meekness. Meekness is controlled strength. Father, I pray for them to have this ability to go forth and spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I pray the Holy Spirit to anoint them with a, a protection, to protect them in a faraway land, as they seek to go and be part of the Lord's army in faraway places. And we do pray for that people group that they're going to uh, minister to. 16 million people. And if only one person out of that 16 comes under the Lord because of their mission trip, that's all that really matters. Because one becomes two, and two becomes four, and four becomes eight. And, Father, we know the the theory of multiplication is what ministry is all about and discipleship is all about. So we pray for this family today. And as we go, we thank you for those who were gathered together together here in person and those in Facebook land. We are thankful for them, and we're thankful for all those praying for us at home and praying for this family. We lift this family up to you. We anoint them in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.